Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. I'm John Fuller, and this is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Today, we'll examine the important role of parenting. And Jim, I'm wondering if you have, let's call it an ideal picture of what a perfect parent can look like. I mean, the mom who, when the child comes home from school, pulls the the fresh-baked cookies out of the oven. And by the way, my mom did that sometimes for me when I was growing up. That's awesome. It was. Man, that's incredible how great that is, come home to warm cookies. That's a good memory. I should have done that for the boys. I think Gene did that from time to time. Yeah, I'm thinking about the dad who's standing in the yard with a, a mitt and a ball. Let's play catch. I did do that. Did you do some of that? I, uh, I absolutely encouraged that. I think for my last son, we we played football. We p- played catch so much I, I hurt my arm for the rest of my life. I was my head. I realized, man, I'm old. What am I trying to do here? Uh, man, it's so much fun, though, to engage. And we all want to be that perfect parent who never yells or gets uh, aggravated. Uh, don't we want to be that perfect be. parent? Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure many moms and dads uh, wish the job of parenting was a lot easier. I mean, I heard someone recently say, no one's ever ready to be a parent. And that's so true. There is no formula. And I really want to stress that because I think so often, especially in the Christian households, we think if we do A and B, we get C. And guess what? That's what the Lord thought too with Adam and Eve. But (laughs) there's something called free will and it it gets in there and they have choices to make and they have little temperaments and personalities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't always go perfectly. It is predictive. That's the good news. You can do things that are predictive of outcomes, but there is no guarantee. So buckle up. Uh, There are some principles, like I'm saying, we're going to cover some of those principles today that will help you in your parenting journey. Yeah, we have Brandon and Annalyn Miller with us. Uh, They're back. They have been here before. (laughs) They're authors and speakers. They specialize in coaching moms and dads in what they call strength-based parenting. And they have seven children of their own, four grandchildren, And the Millers have written a book that we'll uh, hear more about today. It's called Incredible Parent. Discover your parenting strengths and raise your kids with confidence. Contact us for your copy. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Brandon and Annalyn, welcome back. Hi, thank so, you, Jim. So good to have you. Yeah, I, I love your laugh. It's so good. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm, I'm a little bit free with my laughter. I like to have fun. <laughs> hey, you know what? A joyful heart is good. And it's yes. fun, especially talking about the parenting role. Yes. I think a lot of moms and dads aren't laughing, and that's mm-hmm. not good. That's right? true. It's so true. Hey, last time we were together, we discussed how to identify the strengths in your children and maximize those, which yes. I think is great. Hey, here's a, here's a, a new bulletin not everybody is strong in everything not even us as parents Newsflash. yeah so you know for us to identify yes. those things in our in our children is a good help to them as well uh, what prompted you to write about parenting strengths in this new book when we thought about parents and the challenge that we all have to aspire to be whatever version of the best parent we come up with uh, many of us, and we find ourselves comparing to other parents. Really? And feeling like <laughs> we're missing the mark. Why can't I be more like that, Dad? Why don't I look like that, Mom? Why aren't my kids as well-behaved as those kids over there? And we felt that there was an opportunity to share with parents a way to recognize their God-given strengths and to find that they do, in fact, by by God, have these strengths that can help them be the best parent they can be for those kids that they've 
been granted. Well, and so you've written the book. What are some of the weaknesses that you had in your parenting journey? Oh. <laughs> you know, right out of the gate, I'll yeah, say. Let's go. Every let's strength, go. <laughs> yeah, every, every strength has its correlating weakness. And so I, I'm the structure, boundary, hard conversation parent between us. Um, but that taken in excess can become harsh, authoritarian, can become too much. And so I've learned that though I have a really good pathway to help guide my kids in the tough conversations that are required in the home, I have learned the correlating weakness. Yeah. If I just look at not enough strength, um, I definitely am not the calming influence in the house. Oh, it's got to yes. be Annalyn. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's me. That's actually one that we, it's like, where is it on your list? I want to say it's, yeah. The bottom. It's the yeah. bottom Thanks of his. That yeah, that's that one. <laughs> <laughs> Did really I say funny. the bottom? Yeah, okay, that's yeah. really funny. So stability. And yes, that is the calming influence in the home. I don't get ruffled easily. When something arises, I tend to close my mouth and think it through and kind of analyze before I move to any action. Whereas he is quick to say something. You know, okay. and start to dive into whatever it's situation. It's funny. I think you you two are opposite Jean and I. She's more the kind of cop boundary person. I'm more the, okay, there's relationship. It's kind of funny. It is. So it doesn't always go with gender in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, which is really interesting. You know, for most married couples, you do marry someone who's opposite of right. your skill set typically. Yeah. So that is something to tap into in your parenting. Yeah. We learned how to lean on each other. So now I respect. Now in what way? Well, <laughs> like lean in a good way lean or lean good... on them? No. <laughs> yeah, right, I guess it right. could be both. Uh, let's That's just yes go yes. with the good. Let's go with the good. Yeah, let's the, stick with this. the good we're side of that. Let's stick with the good. I did learn to lean on him knowing, okay, you are definitely going to be able to have this 30-minute conversation, instill some policies or whatnot, and stick to it. Whereas I knew that just because of I, – I would, I would agree with him. I just wasn't as good at, at following through sometimes. And where she picks it up is when it comes to the organization in our home, when it oh, comes to putting together – Let's say we're going to go on a trip. Anna Lynn is prepared two weeks in advance. I am. And everyone is packed and everything is in order and the wow. itinerary We don't forget set. hardly anything. And I have That's no impressive. interest at all. I'm packing the day before. I'm... You know, rolling out the door, and that became a really good yeah. understanding of. Oh, that's why you prefer the house that we way. That's why you about it. We organize the, the the holidays just that way, and it it really helped to counterbalance each other in that regard. Yeah, that's so good. You identify two important questions um, that every child's asking. What mm -hmm. are they, and why are they important? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, do you love me? And I mm -hmm. think every parent is going to spend their lifetime trying to answer that one. To their kids. Yeah, you probably never totally satisfy that answer, I would think. And it's good to repeat it all the time. Yeah. I yeah. love you because. And, yeah. I, and I think because mm -hmm. we are that place in our child's life and, you know, with adult kids, yeah. even in that place where we're reinforcing value, we're reinforcing their uh, their sense of self that you're okay. I see you. You can mm -hmm. you can do this. Encouragement. And, and yeah. being that place that, that we're always answering that. But the second one's fun because it is, will you let me do anything I want to do? <laughs> Those are the two extremes. Yeah. And so <laughs> when, you, when you think about that question from the moment we bring a child home, um, that question is loud and clear. <laughs> uh, they're going to want what they want 
when they want it. And it and it intensifies with age because we, we have found with our kids, I think we said this last time we were with you, um, we were five for five on our kids losing their minds at 15. Okay, good. 15 is our magic age. In fact, we just celebrated a 15th birthday. And we're bracing and ourselves. No, really? I'm holding hope. He's my perfect I'm holding child. This will be the breaker of the I'm string. Hold, this is the one that's going to do it. Although I, I am setting myself up for reality. <laughs> But that, but in even in that space, what they're essentially telling us is, I want to be independent. I want right, to do right. what I want to do. And as parents, if we answer the first one yes, in in our love and kindness and compassion, then the second one has to be no, with the same love and kindness and because compassion. Because we love you, because we can't I love you. you. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's a, it is a balance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You love them so much, and then mm-hmm. then you struggle between the two of you, like mm-hmm. Gene and I'm sure John, you and Dina do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, it's is it the rules? the policy or is it going to be try harder next time mm-hmm. i love you mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> hey so for those who didn't hear or see the previous program uh, what are the recaps that come to mind about strength-based parenting and how it works so when a parent thinks about playing to their strengths and the strengths of their kids we're spending more time thinking about what's right with our kids than what's wrong with them and essentially the aggregate of time is I can build on the natural momentum of my child by playing to the areas where I identify, we call it eyes shining, where we can see that spark. We can see that place where that that starts to take shape and we can invest there. It doesn't mean we ignore the liabilities, the areas that need to be built up. It just means we're, we're spending more of our time, space, and energy there. And so strengths-based parenting really takes shape when we start to make that a part of our ongoing household development philosophy. That uh, when we go back to the report card scenario that we talked about in our first program, we're looking at, well, where did they shine? Where were they mm-hmm. stand out? Where's the excellence? As opposed to just dragging them through, why a C in math? Let's spend our time focused on the C in math. And um, I don't think any of us, if we recall that, enjoyed that season. This just says, let's let's just build on the A's. We'll manage the C's. We'll get to those. That's so funny because what, those children will remember when they're adults is the discussion about the C. Right. Oh, my dad was so hard on me. And sure. I got a C one time in algebra. Right? That's what it goes to, not the A I got in geometry, mm-hmm. something like that. That's mm-hmm. so, so true and so good as a reminder. Hey, let me go, let me go to the parenting strengths. You identified yeah. 12 sure. and uh, share a few of those and explain how we recognize those strengths. Sure. So the, the one we were just talking about, my number one is trainer. And this Brains is your the, gifting, yeah, right? You're yeah, a trainer. Yeah, this is what I do. And so seeing that come up, number one for me was validating. It was encouraging. I yeah. thought, okay, well, that definitely matches up to who I am and how I function in the home. My second one was inspiration. And this is this is the coach in me. This is the motivator. This is the person that I enjoy getting people moving in a positive direction. And when I think about everything we do with our seven kids or every experience we've had extracurricular, whether our years being youth pastors, our years, you know, coaching sports, whatever it was, that inspiration parent um, is such a cool strength to watch. A third one I'll mention, and this is fun, it's zest. And zest, if you just think of that joyful parent that loves adventure, loves to play, turns everything into some sort of game, Annalyn and I both share this in our we top do. strengths. And oh, that's so it, good. So you don't frustrate one another no. with that. So that can be frustrating the to the other parents. You know, do you know somebody yeah. that gets frustrated in that situation? Yeah, no, not at all. But <laughs> I can definitely relate to zest. I think it's fun. I, I, and, that's, go, and that's really, it's, to us, parenting is the grand adventure. Yeah. You know, we were just saying that you, you get the first kid, 
and you don't know what you're doing and you think you get it figured out. And then the second one comes, you go, you just broke my thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like everything that worked doesn't work on you. And so it's zest is that space of, but I can't wait to try again tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We watch this with our daughter-in-law. Our son and daughter-in-law have three boys under five. Oh, wow. And it's so fun watching Christine with her three boys. And the and the third one, she just was telling us the other day, he's so different than the first two. Yeah. So different how he how he rests and how he engages. And she's like, and he's the first one that said mama first. So I think I like him the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. But, but just that enjoyment, that looking forward to that life-giving flow. So those are three of the strengths that we uncovered. There's 12 total. Annalyn, are, do you have different strengths? I do. So as Brandon mentioned, organizer tends to be a top one for me. And I was just going to read something out of the book and it says organizer parents thrive in effective systems and excel at managing highly efficient households and so for brandon and i what what's so funny no i'm <laughs> laughing at highly efficient households. i would think this works well together though because yeah. you like process and rules and you like organization that actually complements each it other does. i think so you got the big idea on how to keep the family moving in the right direction. You're going to come up with the steps. Yeah. Yeah. I it makes me that. happy. Oh, yeah. and it's, it. it's such a beautiful compliment because Anna Lynn will uh, plan a party every month for every holiday that you didn't know existed. And so yeah. it's, it's national it, hot dog day, whatever it is. I mean, you should see, <laughs> I can make you should a party see our, uh, you know, most people have a shed in their backyard filled with garden tools and such. I have one filled with house decor for all of the holidays oh, yeah. that we celebrate. Good for you. Because we don't mess around because Annalyn organizes so coming. well. And I've just learned how to appreciate and step away. How'd you get it out of the garage? That's my question. Well, because we I overflowed. Got, I had to get storage. We overflowed from the garage. <laughs> that's get, what I need to know. Get it out of the garage fast. Anyway, that's That was good. the deal we made. You're listening to Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and our guests today are Annalyn and Brandon Miller, and they've written a terrific little book. It's called Incredible Parent, Discover Your Parenting Strengths, and Raise Your Kids with Confidence. We have that book here at the ministry. Uh, call us. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Just like a warm fireplace when it's cold outside, the joy the Christmas season gives comfort and draws us closer to loved ones. I'm John Fuller, and Focus on the Family is excited to let you know about our Christmas Stories podcast. Each episode brings heartwarming conversations to bring your family closer together and remind you of the hope we have in Jesus. You can enjoy that podcast at focusonthefamily.com slash Stories. That's focusonthefamily.com slash Stories praying with the kids at bedtime in the comfort of your home. This warm setting is featured in the new special edition print from Focus on the Family titled What Matters Most. It's a story in paint by artist Morgan Weisling, a gicle depicting a faithful pioneer family, and it can have a special place in your home to remind you of what's truly important. Get this special edition print at focusonthefamily.com slash special print. That's focusonthefamily.com slash special print. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Tell us uh, about a time, and these are all good. Maybe we could post these at the website. People Absolutely. could go take and self-identify. Mm, yeah. Uh, but these can clash. 
Of course. How have your strengths clashed between the two of you? <laughs> uh, we, yeah, who's going to go first here? Yes, we have clashed. Mm-hmm. So I will say this. Um, Brandon's trainer strength being top of this list. He is definitely one that wants to have the deep conversations. And when I say deep, he could talk for an hour mm. with a kid. You know, and I'm I'm always the one looking, going, is he done? And then there's part of me that goes, should I save my kid? And so sometimes I'll walk in and go, hey, hey, honey, are you thirsty? You want something to <laughs> you eat? You need a break. You That's a- usually the clue that I've exceeded. And the so time. and so it's yeah, his okay. clue, like maybe we've exhausted the conversation. Let's give him a break. Um, I used to get frustrated. I used to think. He's only eight. He can only, you know, retain so much right now. And I, you know, so I would get frustrated. He would explain to me what the conversation was about. And I think, oh, my goodness, that's wonderful, Mm -hmm. you know. And so Mm -hmm. when we learned about that about each other, I became, I don't know, would you say, now now I actually defer to you. Mm. In, a, in conversations. No, that's good. And it's yeah. maturing as a couple. Sure. So it's not irritating. Correct. Yeah, that's a big development, I think. Yeah. We actually found that of our, of our so there's 12 strengths. And when you look at the list, the six up top are the ones that seem we call to be them the ones super you kind of most dominant. Yeah. You, you lean into those most. You seem to just naturally pick those up. Of our six, four of them are the same. And so we actually have more similarities than differences. Yeah. The differences we do have, it was... Literally, we solved some long-standing yes. challenges. Twenty-year-old arguments resolved when we oh, took this. Oh, do assessment. tell. What did that look like? Do tell. Well, I think I think going back to what she was just saying about being the organizer and and my appreciation now for why her structure in the household setting is so important to her. Where at times, just as she was saying about my trainer, I would say, "Hey, relax." Yeah, we can, I would get we, the relax. We a can lot. plan for the vacation a week and ahead of time. We don't need to do it a month. Uh, but to her, that was her system of order. And, sure. it, and when you think of seven children, it was <laughs> I didn't chaos. Like, I didn't like hurrying at the last yeah. minute. Yeah. So I had this. A little plan. Mm-hmm. Let's make a plan. And so I yeah. think that that allowed us both to to step back and respect the process that each of us brought. Yeah. And and then showing our children how mom and dad could support each other's differences yes. and build that up was in huge. that way. That was huge. And I think the older you get, hopefully it's true, the older you get, the longer you're married, the more you understand one another and sure. you can kind of exhale a little bit. You don't have to straighten each other out. Mm-hmm. Just go with it. Exactly. You know, as long as it's not harmful, obviously. Exactly. We're just talking about styles. Uh, you encourage moms and dads to think about their parenting brand. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, oh, that's an interesting thing. Uh, what would be your parenting I, brand? I'd have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, most of us want a positive brand, I guess I would say it that way. How do we apply parenting brand to parenting? What, is it like, what, are, you, what are your adjectives? Probably the right way to ask Yeah, it. so most of us, when we think of our brand, it's the values that we convey most often, and we think of the 80-20 rule. So our values can be something that we, 80% is actualized. We can live up to 80% of that, and 20% is aspirational. We're aiming for that. So in our home, the things that we repeat most often do give insights into what we value the most. Mm-hmm. What we've tried to do is to make that clear in our message and clear when we're living up to it and clear when we're not. Because a quote that we like is that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Right. And so it's how your children remember you. And when we wrote our first book, 
We had to we had to send it to our older kids because they were adults and they had to sign off on anything we wrote about them. Every story, every story had to be written, you know, signed off. And it was so good to have them tell us, okay, especially our our oldest son because he's he's a jokester. He's like, all right, I see that you kind of did it. I'll I'll sign (laughs) off. Like, you guys actually did that because he was remembering. When we weren't strengths-based parents, he was remembering <laughs> when Grace was. And he was the first one. Oh well, being the oldest son, he got he got the lumps, right? Yeah, you got. He him. he took the lumps. So for him to be able to look back and go, you did live up to that. And so when we think about our values that connect with with our strengths, you know, one of our values is take responsibility or ownership for your actions or what you say or you, what you do. And so we seek to live up to that. So when we're not communicating in a way that we have said this is how we want that we're we're comfortable or compelled to go back and acknowledge that right yeah. to say that wasn't how I want to convey my sentiment to you because as a you know going back to the trainer I can at times elevate my voice I can at times express myself in a way that I don't prefer to in retrospect well my brand would tell me well I just violated my own value mm. so now I get to go back and acknowledge this and try to move forward in 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 a right standing in your book, you also say that these strengths can be misused. Uh, share a couple of those examples where you misuse a strength. Is that really where you're you're being a little deceptive or manipulative? What, how do you misuse a strength? You know, uh, one, okay, so this is a great analogy. When you think of a superhero, there's always a villain. That villain has strengths too. They just don't use it for the good of others, right? Mm. And so when we say, you know, you're using it out of, you know, your your strength zone and it's actually working against you, it's when you get into that place where you're not thinking about others. You're not being considerate. Um, it is not something you're doing that's building somebody up. Oh, that's interesting. So, so more self-focused. So more self-focused. Yeah. What do you think of when you look at an example? So we're both very high in the strength of fortitude. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're business owners. We're very gritty. We're hard workers. And there are times where we look at our children and we're, we're pushing them beyond where they're willing to go on their own. Right. And we have found that that, that push-pull or that lead versus, you know, uh, you, manipulate's not a bad word because <laughs> there's times. Yeah. If we're being clear that yeah. we want it more than they do. Right. And there's times as fortitude parents, we've had to realize, ooh, we're pushing we've too hard. We've had to step back. We're, we're pushing yes. too hard on something that this child is not ready for. We have an 18-year-old right now at home. I say, he just pushed me back and said, whoa, Anna Lynn. Yeah, we have an 18-year-old at home. And, and she's evaluating life choices now, right? She's looking at college. She's looking at career. And what we've had to realize as fortitude parents is, we need to let her sort this out. Right. We can offer choices. We can give sound advice. But now she's at a stage where she gets to pick. And that can be hard for four to two parents because we want to map the course. We want to we want to move her where we want her, and this particular really hard. one is. I was going to say fortitude sounds a bit like control. <laughs> it can be in 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 excess. Okay, good. Absolutely That's the point. in excess. That's in, the weakness. In, yeah, in its right measure, I, I'm I'm long suffering. I'm with you. I'm willing to to go long and hard to help you get where you're going because you know our commitment to the kid is we'll, we'll not give up on you whatever you choose we're going to support right. you we'll be here mm-hmm. and and we'll move through the challenges that life are going to present and here you go make your play that's mm-hmm. good so parents strong in the fortitude strength are hardworking, resilient gritty strong-willed goal-driven persevering dependable always looking to challenge themselves and others and are involved uh, people who make a difference and they're strong finishers so we both tend to really gravitate towards that. However, like I said, it can also be something to where we have to 
allow people, our children, to create the path and then allow them to let us into their lives to help in that path, right? right? It's a different situation when they become adults. Yeah, where they're making the decisions. Yeah. And may or may not ask for your advice. And may or may not. Hopefully they will. In our book, we also talk about with that strength, how you parent your children, your teens, your young adults. Yeah. And so it gets real yeah, it's really age-appropriate responses, age appropriate yeah. responses because it's going to be different with every state. You know, this has flown by We're right at the end, so I'll, I'll okay. save this question. But in sure. John 15, Jesus mm-hmm. describes how he's the vine and we're the branches. How do you, how do you apply that to parenting? Mm-hmm. I think a parent that is a, a Christian parent recognizes that I cannot do this yes. outside of my connection to the vine, that I, I am leading these kids uh, as a steward Mm. Because ultimately, father is is their parent, and I'm and I'm doing that. Well, which one of us can pull that off? Yeah. And so that connection, we've just learned, and, and and I can touch this on fortitude. Is there's times where we're pressing? It's because we're moving into our own will and right. stepping back and saying, okay. Father, we can't see the Your picture. Your will be done, Lord, we can't, yes. we can't see the field. We usually wait to say that at the end, you know, when we're frustrated, out, exactly. out of control. Lord, your will be done, because I've been trying yeah. mine, it's not working. <laughs> right? Let's Sorry. do it in yes. the beginning. No, and it's exactly, <laughs> it's, it, it's, a, it's a fresh lesson we've both been learning about, yeah. about striving versus sitting. Learning, yes. how to, learning how to rest in the Lord. Learning how to receive and then operate out of that versus just engaging. And that's been a good Good growth journey for both of us. Yeah, and being connected, uh, we realized that you know all of our strengths come from Him, and He created us all uniquely. We all have giftings, right, in the body. Mm-hmm. Why don't we take this and use it in our own families? You know, the body of our family. Let's all appropriately bring the giftings we have, the strengths that we have, to build each other up. Yeah. Brandon and Annalyn, you've done a really good job. I mean, keeping it simple, like you said. Yeah. Thank you for that with You're the welcome. process guy next to you. <laughs> yep. I'm like, nope. Instead of 460 pages, exactly. it's a simple 100 page. Right. So it's really good. And uh, incredible parent. Discover your parenting strengths and raise your kids with confidence. Who doesn't want to do that? Right. And I would hope that uh, folks will be inquisitive about this and say, okay, I think I know my strengths. We'll, again, post those at the mm-hmm. website. But order the book as well. Send a gift of any amount to Focus, and we'll send you a copy as our way of saying thank you for equipping today's moms and dads. And remember, our matching campaign is going on right now. Any gift you send will be doubled, helping us strengthen more marriages, empower more parents, and rescue more pre-born babies. So it's a win, win, win for everyone, and I hope you'll support the ministry today. Yeah, get in touch, donate as you can, and request your copy of the book, Incredible Parent, Discover Your Parenting Strengths, and Raise Your Kids with Confidence. We have copies of that here at the ministry and uh, a free audio download of today's broadcast as well when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Brandon, Annalyn, again, thank you so much for being with us. This has been great. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith-building program for your family. Stay tuned. 
When Carrie learned of her husband's affair, she felt betrayed by God. She lost hope until she heard a Focus on the Family podcast. It was just kind of like God was sitting there with me, bringing this podcast to me and saying, listen, other people have gone before you and it'll be okay. You can trust me. I'm Jim Daly. Help us rescue broken marriages and give families hope. Donate at FocusOnTheFamily.com family and your gift will be doubled. Marriage is going to have its hardships. Some are going to be self-inflicted. Some are just for fallen people that live in a fallen world. And if we have this ability to endure together, to trust God in the midst of the difficult seasons, He is going to bless us in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. That's Kevin Thompson, and he's with us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. All right, John, here's a question for you. Do you and Dina laugh a lot? Oh, <laughs> we, we try. Right there. Okay, so my goal is to help her laugh at least once a day because of some bad joke or a pun or uh, a lot of times. It's just a funny memory that I can pull up from That's our a early good goal. years. I like that goal. I think humor is so important in marriage, uh, really to get through some, even rough spots. It's fun to Absolutely. sometimes let some of the pressure out and make light of a situation when the timing's right. There are inappropriate times to do yes. that too. <laughs> but you know what? Here, focus on the family. Uh, we want to give you a marriage tune-up. And you know, this is the the moment where your marriage is in a pretty good place, but you can always do a little better. That's the kind of nuts and bolts information we're going to give you today. Uh, we help couples every day with challenges in their marriages. And I thank you, the supporters out there listening, for stepping up and helping us to do that day in and day out with counseling, intensive programs for marriage, all the, the toolkit that we have for everybody to tap into. Uh, today, we want to help you learn how to make the overall tone of your marriage happier and more committed, and I think that's a great goal. We've invited Kevin Thompson, author of Happily, Eight Commitments of Couples Who Laugh, Love, and Last, to give us some insights into marriage. Yeah, and Kevin is the married life pastor at Bayside Church outside of Sacramento, California. He's also a marriage and parenting conference speaker and a blogger, and he's married to Jenny, and they have two children. Kevin, welcome to Focus. Well, thanks so much for having me. Now, you're a pastor. I am. First and foremost. So you've seen a few couples in trouble. Oh, there's no doubt. The pastorate is fascinating from a relationship standpoint because you were, you were there from the very beginning when couples begin to date, and sometimes you're making calculations of whether or not that's going to make it But you or never not. speak of this. Never. You always hold <laughs> that. How a, accurate are your predictions? Always. Well, you know, I do have—there's only one place in which I make predictions to Jenny, my wife, and that is with the wedding cake. And so it's not with dating. But it's with the wedding cake at the uh, reception, and I have I have found that if you will watch that, you can begin to see if the couple's going to make it or not. Now it's not whether or not they smash the cake or don't smash the cake, but one of my very first weddings I did, the couple did the she gave him some cake and it was really smooth, and he gave her some cake and really smashed it in, and you could tell she was irritated, and then she smashed it back, and then he got irritated, and they actually went to the ground. Oh. And I looked at the person I was standing next to, and I said, is that normal? Because this was only at my <laughs> second wedding. And that couple was divorced within six weeks. Oh, that's sad. Six at weeks. Six weeks. So this is the predictive model. The, no, and, and so it's not whether or not you smash or not. It's whether or not is there respect 
in that moment? Is wow. there playfulness in that moment? And so to this day, whenever whenever somebody sees me at the reception, they'll look at the wedding cake and then they'll look back at me to see. And I'll just, just give kind of a thumbs up, thumbs down of what I think. <laughs> so it's become a bit of a game. It's kind of, a, a, it's kind of a game. Uh-huh. Well, uh, share with us. You mentioned Jenny, your wife. Um, you know, let's start with your own. <laughs> how did you meet? What happened? And did and you how'd smash the cake it? thing go? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very gentle with the cake. So Jenny and I went to Oklahoma Baptist University together. I actually met her before I went, but she completely blew me off. And so I was speaking at her church. Uh, my joke is she was the only uh, female there over the age of 14 and under the age of 40. And I asked a friend to introduce me, and uh, he did. He introduced me and said, Jenny, this is Kevin Thompson. He's going to go to OBU next year. She was already there. And uh, she goes, oh, that's great. You'll have a great time, and walked off. And that was our initial meeting. And uh, two years later, we were reintroduced. And uh, then I asked her out. We began to date. Had you ever and, forgotten uh, about her? No. <laughs> okay. Oh, by no means. I'm just making sure. Well, I went to OBU just with one focus, and that was to find her again <laughs> and, uh, and to, to, make wow. sure I, to make sure I made her mine. And so on our very first date, uh, I asked her out, and she told me that she would never marry a pastor, she would never move for a man, and she would never marry somebody younger than her. And uh, two years later, all three of those things were, were found false. <laughs> That's funny that you kept that checklist. That's no, oh, and I remind her often. <laughs> okay, maybe we need to help you. <laughs> That's exactly right. I know this is fun. Um, your grandparents were married maybe as long as any couple I've ever heard of, but how many years? That's exactly right. Said so we we buried my grandmother on the seventieth anniversary of the day my grandfather went to get the marriage license. Oh my! Wow, I mean that is a long time. What did you learn watching them? You know, to me, my mama and papa were inseparable. I can't even say mama without saying papa. And uh, my grandmother was the strongest person I've ever met. Uh, I'll never forget, she'd pull the biscuits out of the oven and half the time wouldn't even use a pot holder. And I didn't, I didn't understand it. Right? Seriously, this isn't walking both directions uphill to school. No, no. She literally, I mean, whenever you think about what it was like to be born in the 20s in, in America, in Arkansas, tough. she was tough. My grandfather was the most gentle person. I've ever met. And so when I think about toughness, I think about mamaw. When I think about gentleness, I think about papaw. And uh, married 70 years, inseparable. But they had a connection with each other that was just something I wanted to aspire to. I'll never forget. We do the funeral, and uh, and I'm standing there looking down at my grandmother, and, and somebody comes up and looks down, who, who was very close with her as well, and she looks down, and this person said, man, 70 years of marriage, they were lucky. And I thought to myself, how true is that? They were lucky. But then I got to thinking, you know what? They kind of made that luck. Huh. They kind of made some choices here. That It wasn't just a flip of a coin. It was literally the flip of a will where they chose to be committed to each other. And, and yeah, they were lucky. But they also were born in the midst of depression. They also went through several wars. Uh, they also had the, the trials of raising kids, of, of going through economic depressions. They were lucky in, in the end, but I bet you didn't always feel lucky. So I just began to investigate what is it that really made this for them. And they were people of tremendous faith. And the more I got into it, the more I began to see in many ways they lived out the kingdom ethic within their marriage. And to me, you think about it, God's kingdom, what, what we're going to experience one day in heaven, uh, the kingdom ethic is laid out in the Beatitudes. Yeah. Well, if that works for the kingdom, why doesn't that work for marriage? Okay, you know, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of people listening. Um, is happiness in marriage attainable? 
Absolutely. And I don't know what the percentage might be, but there's going to be a large percentage of people that don't feel that. No, and, and understandably so. And, and by no means do I ever think that happiness is the ultimate goal. I, I think that's one of the great struggles with, with modern life, modern viewpoints of marriage, secular viewpoints of marriage, is they think that personal happiness is the number one goal. And so if I don't have it, if I'm not experiencing it, I just need to find somebody else and move on and go in some other way. I, I don't think that's the the viewpoint at all. At the same time, in the church, if we're not very very careful. We can deny the presence of happiness in a marriage and just say, well, I'm just called to suffer for the Lord and never experience the fulfillment of this relationship of what it could possibly be. Whenever you think about Jesus, don't you think he was happy? There's a joy there that it's clear. Clearly suffered in, in unimaginable ways, had tremendous feeling, obedient, no doubt. But there was this sense of, of joy. You, see, you you picture Jesus with the children, right? You, you picture Jesus even with, with women as, as they were looked down upon in that society. Right, the sinners. And, and just giving them a, a sense of life in some way. I don't think happiness is the ultimate goal of a marriage, but I do think it is the natural byproduct that comes when a couple is committed to each other and finds joy in the Lord. Now, that is good. You use a term in your book, contagious, that divorce is contagious. I don't like that. But tell me why you chose to use that term. I don't like it, but I don't doubt it. Right. Because I see it in churches. I I see it. We'll have Sunday school classes, home groups, where there'll be a series of divorces uh, that all of a sudden happen. And I think it's the concept. It could be the concept of divorce oftentimes is the byproduct of a series of poor choices. And so if you surround yourself with people who are making poor choices, you'll probably make some of those choices as well. That No, that's a good observation. And that influence that um, men and women have on each other. Um, I mean, that's what you're talking about. Oh, no doubt. And, and by no means do, do we ever want to see somebody struggling in their relationship, oh, they're contagious, we got to stay away from them. By no means am I saying that. Right. But what I am saying is you have to show some intention within your own relationship to make sure that you also, as you're ministering to people and being friends with people who are struggling, you're also strengthening your own relationship by surrounding yourself with people with good marriages. Now, that's good. And it's a good way to think of your friendships and what you want to develop in the way of healthy friendships. All right, let's get to it. You identified eight uh, commitments from the Beatitudes, of course, found in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Touch on each one of those uh, eight just lightly and tell us why it's important to demonstrate, for example, humility. It it all begins there for me. It's uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Jesus is basically saying blessed are the spiritual beggars. In God's kingdom, there's a value to recognizing that you don't have it all and that you need help. Where else does marriage begin But then, with this recognition of, I have no clue. Marriage, to me, is this beautiful thing where you have these two people who know nothing about what it means to be married, how to live with each other, mm-hmm. and, and they're going in it together, and they're, and they're called now to figure it out. To me, that's one of the most beautiful aspects of marriage is we are equally ignorant, and yet we're going to figure it out together. And, and if you show me a couple, show me an individual who's willing to recognize their own ignorance, their own inability, and, and then to get help and to read and to study and to learn, there is no limit on what they can become and what they can do. To help those couples struggling in this area, when is there or what kind of sign is there for pride slipping into the marriage? Yeah, pr- pr- I mean, pride is what kills marriage, right? And, and, what does and, it look like? And a marriage will thrive in humility. It'll die in pride. I, I think about several things. We can look in our own lives. How does pride look to us? Now, I, I think about if everything becomes personal, that's pride. Now, all right, if your wife doesn't like how you loaded the dishwasher, and you don't look at that as we have a disagreement over how to load the dishwasher. You feel that as a personal attack. 
that's pride. You're just disagreeing over dishes. But if you feel that personally, that's pride. If your wife can't influence you. You know, if Jenny right now says, Kevin, you need to leave Colorado Springs right now. All right, I might ask her why. But if she's really dogmatic about it, I'm leaving. Like, I trust her. I know she's for Something's me. going on. And I know she loves me. And even if she's wrong, she really hasn't been before. <laughs> and so I'm out of here. But for a lot of people, their spouses cannot influence them. Their opinions are what their opinions are. And their spouse has no say in that. That, to me, is an evidence of pride. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I'm here asking people what happens when you turn 70 and a half. You get free ice cream for life? Uh, you get more senior discounts? When you turn 70 and a half, you're eligible for an IRA charitable rollover, and you can give that to Focus on the Family. You can find out more at focusplannedgiving.com. Reduce your taxable income and help families thrive for generations to come. It's a gift that appreciates, and we appreciate you for giving it. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Let's get the second commitment. It's embracing the hurt. You had uh, to deliver, I think, some difficult news to your grandfather. What happened? Yeah, I was the one who who let my grandfather know that that my grandmother had died. That is hard. And so I I actually drove him. He he had always been the one in bad health. She had always been the healthy one. She died at 90. I'll never forget driving my grandfather up to make the last visit. He was frail, and I had to be the one to take him. And I'll never forget, we were driving uh, to the hospital, and it was right after work. And, And all of a sudden, he says, hey, Kevin, look at that sunset. And I looked up, and sure enough, the sun was setting over Oklahoma. It was as beautiful as can be. And I thought to myself, how did he see that? He's about to go see his wife of 70 years for the last time, and he knows it. How did he see that? That was just who my grandfather was. He had the ability in the midst of experiencing the bad to see the good. His eyes were open. His eyes were Mm. open to see it. And so we went and had that visit. I brought him home, and uh, the next day she died. And I was the one that came home and leaned down uh, before him and, and let him know that, that she was gone. Yeah. And it was such a tremendous honor uh, to do so, and yet such a tremendous heartbreak to see the, the man that I so love suffering in, in such a way. And yet this idea of within love there comes this hurt and this pain and this sorrow. And we live in a time and a society that avoids that to such an extent that people get very uncomfortable uh, around discomfort and, and around pain. And, and this is the chapter that surprised me the most about the book. This is one of the reasons I love to write, is you always hit on something. It's not that I have all this knowledge I'm giving it. It's I'm out there searching. God has put truth in this Observations. world. I'm searching for it. And this is something I would have never have thought of that can create a healthy marriage and actually lead to happiness. But the idea that we are fallen people in a fallen world, I'm a broken person, I can never fully be the spouse my wife deserves, she can never fully be the spouse that that she wants to be for me, marriage itself is going to disappoint at times. But as we lean into that, recognize that, mourn that, it actually empowers us to appreciate the good that we have. Mm -hmm. And yet if we are constantly denying the sorrow, the sadness, the heartache, we are actually in so doing also denying the joy and the gratitude and all the good things that are there. This is the chapter that, in my opinion, every single person needs to read because I think it's an idea that I've never seen before. Yeah. Kevin, number three would be uh, to avoid both apathy and aggression. I mean, this probably hits a lot of people. 
So what do you mean? It, it really is. I've, I've seen other writers uh, put it in other ways uh, to avoid silence and violence would, would be a concept here. Mm-hmm. To me, those are two different ways of getting the same poor result. Right. And, and so some people, men specifically, can be apathetic if we're not very right. careful. Disengage. Disengage from the relationship, from the concept. We can be very engaged at work or in our hobbies, and definitely football season, you know, is going on and that kind of thing. But from our marriage, we tend to be a little bit more apathetic, Uh, whereas others at times are overly aggressive. And so, all right, if you want to have the discussion, we'll have the discussion, and I'll come at it in such an aggressive way, you're not going to open up your heart. You're going to have to get defensive in every way possible. Uh, To me, this is where meekness comes into play, the ultimate definition of of Jesus in so many ways, Mm -hmm. uh, that he had this gentleness about him. He would never avoid the discussion that needed to be had. And yet at the same time, he would come at it with a gentleness that would create this climate of safety. You know, you know, it's a funny thing. You can talk about anything to anyone if you feel safe, if you feel like they're not going to use it, exploit Correct. you in some way, manipulate you. You can talk about anything. And so if you can create that with your spouse, and the way to do that is I'm not going to be apathetic. If the conversation needs to be had, I'm going to have it. One of the things I had to learn very early on in marriage, and it's, it's, it's taken a long time to get there, is that I can say it, and Jenny's still going to love me. You see, I'd written the story in the back of my head is if I show any unhappiness, if I show any discontentment, if I admit that, that I don't like something, she may not love me. Huh. Now, of course, it still expressed itself, right? She just didn't know why. She just didn't know what was, why was I unhappy, what was going on. And she had to teach me and train me, Kevin, you can say that to me. And we're going to be okay. And so I had to get over the apathy of what right. was going on. But at the same time, you can't take it too far into aggression to where you're just attacking everything. And it's a good picture, I think, mostly how men respond. Those are to switch alternatives, right? On or off. And it's not Engage either or. or not. It's both right. and. Yeah. We tend to be both and. We right. tend to be ap- apathetic until we become aggressive. Right. There's a flipping point. Yeah. And the answer is meekness. Yeah. That's good. And that's so God-oriented rather than Mm -hmm. fleshly oriented. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I love this thought of marriage being bigger than we are. And uh, you have kind of informed us as to what the purpose of marriage is. What's your view into that? What do you think God is up to here? Ultimately, it's to bring glory to God. I mean, that's the ultimate call. And I think marriage is, is one avenue that God has chosen for me to transform my heart. The and only he, question in that is, by what means? To bring glory to God by? Yeah, by loving well, by being transformed into his likeness, by using our strengths together uh, to assist uh, others as well. I always say in, in a healthy marriage, uh, your, your strengths are multiplied and your weaknesses are divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so Jenny and I have different strengths and abilities, and the weaknesses that I have, the consequences of those are diminished because of who she is, and yet my strengths are multiplied. I would have yeah. never have written if it wasn't for Jenny. She's my editor. She agrees to everything I've written. I mean, she'll delete things sometimes and say, I don't believe in this, and so <laughs> suddenly neither do I. It's got to be a fun editorial yeah. process. This is. is the response to It that. is. Well, yeah, and, you know, that's a funny thing is I have to constantly remind myself in the midst of that as she's editing something. I mean, I poured my heart and soul in this, and she's just right coldly marking things out. <laughs> I have to remind myself, she loves me, and she's for me, constantly. She sounds she, like a truth speaker. <laughs> she is. She, she's kind and she's gentle, but she loves me and she's for me. And so this edit is for my benefit. Whenever I think about marriage being bigger than us, I think if I stopped loving Jenny today, imagine the ripple effect. Yeah. Not only to Ella and Silas, 
our children, to our extended family, to the church that I pastor, now to the people who have read the books, to those who have heard this broadcast. It would just be a, another confirmation to them in this world and where it feels like so many marriages are falling apart that it's impossible to make it. Yeah. And yet, every time I choose to love her, in part, I'm also loving her parents and her family and our, my kids and our church. And there's a ripple effect. In bigger that. than Goodness. you. It is much bigger than us. Now, yeah. now think about this. If marriage is just about us, it's up to you whether you love or not. Just whatever feels right to you, is that, that's what you should do. But if marriage is bigger than us, mm. then I am commanded, called, motivated, empowered, driven to love her, even when maybe in the moment I don't want to, because there is such a consequence to this love, either good or bad. That's, the choice of that is ours. Whether or not there is a consequence is not our choice. Whether it's good or bad, that's yeah. up to us. That's the first four. Let's see if we can get through the next four. I mean, it's going to be rapid fire, but you say refuse power struggles. Yeah. Come on, Kevin. That's the whole male game. <laughs> That's the whole marriage game, to be honest. I, I think, actually, this is an area where many women are playing the game and they don't even realize it. That may be and, true. And so the idea of the cold shoulder, uh, the idea of oftentimes uh, bundling sex uh, and making it into a power play uh, rather than an actual aspect of what the relationship is all about. And this is where mercy comes in. And, and if you have received mercy from God, you have recognized your own sinfulness, you know that you need to be forgiven, so you're going to be quick to forgive your spouse. And it's giving of one another. I mean, that's what that's describing, There's right? no doubt. And it really does go back to the very first beatitude. I mean, think about this. If you recognize that I'm poor in spirit, that I'm a sinner, and I am now mourning my sin, so I'm operating in meekness where I'm dealing with all of this, and yet marriage is bigger than me, then suddenly giving mercy becomes much easier because I realize how much mercy God has given me, and I realize how much mercy Jenny has given me. That's good. Okay, next is live in truth. I, I, you can't have a real relationship where truth isn't present. And, and this is the sad part as a pastor is I know a lot of couples who, who they are in a fake relationship because they are only giving part of themselves to a spouse who's only giving part of themselves, and, and they're operating in this way that isn't real. The picture of marriage to me is I'm going to take my whole heart and I'm going to put it on the table. Jenny's going to take her whole heart, put it on the table, and then those two hearts are going to interact. Well, that demands from me now transparency and honesty and truth, a, a willingness to admit my faults and my mistakes, to get help where I need to get help. Now, this isn't a, a cold kind of bluntness of I'm going to say whatever it is I want to say in the moment. That's not truth. Uh, oftentimes, that's arrogance and and pride. Truth is now a humble recognition of what is actually going on, and we together are going to get through this. Well, and the, the biblical language there is to become one flesh, right? Yeah, and, and not that, just on the table separately, you're over time becoming one heart. And that can't happen without truth. Truth and intimacy go hand in hand. Yeah, I like that. Okay, number seven, make peace. <laughs> That's a good one. This is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? <laughs> My wife is a, is a, is a uh, advertising and marketing specialist, and so a lot of her day is spent uh, negotiating uh, with advertisers of how to get a, a better deal. And, and so I feel like our, our marriage is a constant, never-ending negotiation. Uh, but I think that's a beautiful thing, is, is that it is our job now not to receive peace, but to make peace. I, I talk about in Friends, Partners, and Lovers, my first marriage book, uh, the idea that there are so many uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners that got divorced. Huh. Now think about it. They could navigate international negotiations, but they could not make peace with the person in bed beside with them. Huh. That is really where marriage begins to be felt. Can I find a common ground in the midst of the differences? Can I find a common ground where we can move forward? Yeah. Lastly, number eight, and I like this one. I think it's a great capture out of the Beatitudes and applying it to marriage. Endure whatever may come. 
and the key there being whatever. Yeah, It really is this, Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted. We know we're going to suffer in this world. And in part, if we live by biblical principles of what marriage is all about, people are going to look at us and think in some ways that we're foolish, that we don't know what we're talking about. I'll write a blog post at KevinAThompson.com and, and we'll say, here are 10 tips to help avoid uh, adultery. And I'll get blasted by people saying, how dare you talk about this? Or this is so ridiculous. My, my wife has all the passwords to all my social media, can check it at any time. There is no backdoor channel that you can get to me that she can't see it. People look at that and say, well, does she not trust you? Yes, she trusts me. And you know why she trusts me? Because I'm, I'm transparent in those ways. Yeah, and, and yet people don't understand that. And so there, there's going to be an endurance that you're going to have to have in the secular world. But there's also just going to be marriage is going to have its hardships. Some are going to be self-inflicted. Some are just we're fallen people that live in a fallen world. And if we have this ability to endure together, to trust God in the midst of the difficult seasons, he is going to bless us in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. And Kevin, I so appreciate uh, what you've done here in writing this book, Happily, uh, Eight Commitments of Couples Who Laugh, Love, and Last. And I think the application is the next thing. We've given great information, and you've done a wonderful job explaining it. So I'm thinking of the couple that's going, okay, we're not living in this spot. They're listening to the radio or podcast right now, and the wife is saying, we're not there. I'm not there. What can they do today to begin to change this? What's the application of this? Yeah, and there's several approaches. They can call Focus on the Family and, and, and begin to seek help, seek prayer help. They can get a mentor couple that's a little bit older than them, that has a marriage that they want to model after and ask them to speak into them. Uh, they can get a book like this, read a chapter a together. week. Together. Read it together. Read a chapter a week, uh, maybe each with a highlighter, and then just sit down and answer the questions. Go for a walk. That's my favorite prescription for a couple. Go for a walk and talk about the chapter that you just read. It, it's very possible, though, that there are going to be some couples out there that they're just going to need professional help. It doesn't mean that you're failing. It doesn't mean that your marriage is over. What it means is I need assistance. We, we all need help in, in life yeah. and things, and marriage is no different. And, and so they can call and, and get good Christian counseling to say, how can we move forward? But, but my question is basically this for couples. Generally speaking, not this day, not even necessarily this season, generally speaking, would you define your marriage as happy? Is that a characteristic of it? If the answer is no, something is wrong. Huh. It doesn't have to be the defining characteristic, and it definitely will not define every day or every season. But over the long arc of your relationship, will you be able to look back and say, I was happily married? If not, you need to get help. Yeah, that's really good insight. Kevin Thompson, man, this has been terrific. Um, your message has uh, been an encouragement, I know, to so many. Get a copy of the book, Happily, Eight Commitments of Couples Who Laugh, Love, and Last. And this is that practical tool that just lays it out, what you should be aiming for. And I think Kevin's done a wonderful job doing that. You can get it right here at Focus on the Family. Mm -hmm. we love for you to do that because the proceeds go right back into helping families, helping marriages do a better job. And uh, we would really appreciate that support. So for a gift of any amount, uh, we'll send that book along to you as our way of saying thank you for investing in the ministry. And if you need that more intensive marriage solution, we have Hope Restored, which uh, we have three locations now in Branson, Michigan, and down in Atlanta that you can sign up for if your marriage needs that kind of hands-on help. We are here for you. Yeah, we're a phone call away to talk to our counselors, to ask questions about resources, or uh, those Hope Restored marriage intensives. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800 232 6459 and online we're at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast Kevin thanks again for being with us well thanks so much for having me I enjoyed it 
Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.